Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Friday, November 13th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be talking today about my picks, my leans, and updating what's happening in the Circus Sports Million here as we head on into week 10. Got three picks and a handful of leans. Some games I do like more than others on the board out there, but we do have some COVID considerations and stuff like that. So kind of talk through my thoughts here on today's show, and I will post our official picks for our ATS.io-1 and ATS.io-2 entries here coming up on Saturday night over at the website ATS.io. And speaking of the website right now, lots of great stuff going on, some very, very strong promotions as we head on into the weekend out there in the sports betting world. That DraftKings promotion still going on over at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. A risk-free Sunday up to $100 of your net losses for the NFL and the Masters for bets placed uh, anytime before Sunday. So that's a really good offer over there at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Some good offers over at BetMGM as well. PointsBet Sportsbook doing a lot of good things. If you bet on the uh, Colts plus 41 over at PointsBet Sportsbook yesterday, an easy winner there in that one. But we got articles about William Hill promotions as well. Make sure you check it out over at ATS.io in our Sportsbook promotions section. You'll find all the best offers that are going on in the business here for this week. Also, while you're over at the website or while you've got your smartphone in your hand, download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Really, really fine piece of equipment that we've got there. Article integration from the website, a pick tracker, the ability to message and follow other people that are in the app. Also, a database of stats, trends, updated ATS, and straight-up standings. A, an odd screen that features several of the U.S. sports books that are out there. Really, really powerful tool to have in the palm of your hand with that ATS app. And you can get that in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or over at ATS.io. If you missed anything here this week on the podcast, those shows are archived all over the place. You can get links and listen to them over at ATS.io. But you can also subscribe on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. Next week will be a pretty straightforward week. The week of Thanksgiving will not be. Have to do some pre-recording of some shows with that Thanksgiving holiday. So we're going to try to release one show per day. But of course, we will have to have the caveat that you know, lines probably will have moved uh, by the time you hear the game breakdowns from that show. So we'll try to talk about that in a couple weeks' time. But as far as next week goes, everything should be pretty straightforward here, Monday through Friday. And of course, that includes on Monday, my college football update, talking about things I've done with my power ratings, looking at some games where I'm off market from the openers, stuff like that coming up here after the weekend. All right, with that, let's go ahead and talk Circus Sports Million 2, 26, 18, and 1 for my ATS.io-2 entry. Three and two last week. Almost had that walk-off winner with the Chargers, but uh, first of all, I don't know why you call two fades at the end of the game. Shame on you, Anthony Lynn, and that coaching staff. Uh, But, you know, some things that didn't really work out in my favor. The Chargers should have had more time on the clock, too. Mike Williams was definitely out of bounds there uh, with about 15 seconds left. Clock kept running. Uh, The end game situation there, not particularly strong for the Chargers or for the officiating crew, uh, but I wind up going three and two there last week. And 4-1 and one would have been great because that was the first week of the third quarter. 
would have given given me a little bit of a chance at that $187,000 first place prize. But now no margin for error. Just got to go 15-0 and 0 over the next three weeks. That's pretty easy to do, right? But in any event, uh, 26-18-1 here on the year. So happy with the progress so far. Haven't been able to string together too many of those 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh weeks. Hopefully those will be coming down the pike here very, very soon. The ATS.io-1 entry went 2-3 and three last week. Now 26-19 and 19 on the season. So I've got bragging rights by a half a point there uh, in our little head-to-head battle over at ATS.io. But uh, both of us still... A little ways out of the money and hopefully can put together, as I mentioned, some of those four and one and five and a weeks. And speaking of which, four and one would have been awesome last week because the field came in at 41.19% worst week in the history of the Circus Sports Million, which is, of course, uh, what, 26 weeks now, about a year and a half worth of Circus Sports Million picks. And last week at 41.19% was so bad that the full season win percentage down 1.17%, even though we have a sample size of over 139,000 wins and losses, still bad enough to drag the full season win rate down 1.17%. So uh, not a good week at all whatsoever in the Circus Sports Million, to say the least. And quite frankly, back-to-back bad weeks here, 46.32% in week eight. So We'll see if the field is able to bounce back a little bit. The full season win percentage now 50.48%. So basically, uh, after the last two weeks, things pretty much a coin flip here uh, for the field as a whole. Top five consensus went one and four last week, and the four losses made up nearly 45% of the losing picks from week nine for the Circa field. The consensus went five and nine overall. Top five consensus, still 24 and 16. But I mentioned this last week that, you know, this was running so good. I fully expected some regression to the mean in that department. And of course, now we have seen that here uh, so far. Consensus year to date, 67, 64, and three. And in fact, actually, I realize that's the number from the top five consensus going into week nine. So I have to make an adjustment there and tell you that the top five consensus is actually. 25 and 20. So again, still expecting a little bit of regression to the mean, but obviously uh, going one and four last week really cut into the full season number uh, through eight weeks. 43 entrants went five and oh to start the third quarter. So there's a 43 way tie in that quest for $187,000. Sunny San Diego dash one, the leader 34 and a half points. Sheila's boys in second, 33 and a half. Presence dash two, 33 points alone in third place. There's a three-way tie for fourth. Keep in mind, in the circle, the top 50-plus ties will get paid. There's also the quarterly prizes. And then last place gets $100,000 uh, for, you know, the embarrassment of finishing last, I guess. But $100,000, you know, kind of makes up for that in a lot of ways. The super, the, uh, excuse me, the super contest field, we're not in the super contest this year, but we are still following along with it. ODBMG2 went into week nine with 32 and a half points. It was the highest point total over eight weeks in super contest history. In week nine, ODBMG2 went one and four and actually increased his lead to three points because the second place entry, Andrew Scalzi, who went 18 and two in the second quarter, went 0 and five last week. So 
ODBMG2, 33 and a half points, three point lead, a four way tie for second, 30 and a half points there. 43.96% in the super contest last week, worst week of the season. Top five consensus, one and four. The top 10 picks went three and seven. The consensus did go six and eight overall, but some very big decisions wound up being losses in the super contest. And the year to date top five over in the super contest, 22 and 23. Year-to-date consensus, 68, 60, and 3. All right, a lot of numbers there. Hopefully, you're able to follow along as I stumbled over my words here on this Friday the 13th edition of ATS Radio. Uh, But one thing I will mention here at the top of the show is that we do have some COVID cases popping up now late in the week, and in particular, one with the Cleveland Browns, who at the time of recording here around 11.30 Eastern time or so, It had not yet been announced who that Browns player is. I've been refreshing Twitter as much as I can, trying to find out who that is, especially because Baker Mayfield was isolated due to contact tracing as somebody with a high risk of exposure early on in the week. He was cleared on Wednesday, continued to test negative uh, throughout the course of the week up until that point. But as we know, know, the incubation period for this illness can take a little while, so Hopefully it's not Baker. We'll wait and see who it winds up being. But as a reminder here, games not played by 1 a.m. Pacific time on Tuesday go in the Circa as pushes. So you get a half point for those in the Super Contest. Both sides of that game go in as a loss. So if you're playing your own personal contest or you're in one or both of those Las Vegas contests, make sure you refer to your own pools rules based on any COVID cancellations or anything like that. And of course, I will also throw out the reminder here that our picks are not due to our proxy until 4 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. And you can bet that based on what we've seen over the last few weeks here, we are waiting it out as long as we possibly can. I think last week we sent in the picks about 3.50, uh, something like that. So we are waiting until close to crunch time to submit those picks close to the deadline. So the things I talk about here on the show I just want to throw that disclaimer out because, again, you know, about 28 hours in advance of when our picks are due, and a lot can change here this season based on COVID-19 and all the protocols associated with that. But in any event here, I'll go through my very likely picks and my list of leans here for Week 9. Again, 26-18-1 for the ATS.io-2 entry as we head into Week 10 here. And the first one on the board for me, actually right at the tippy top of the list for Sunday, the Cincinnati Bengals. They are number four in the Super Contest rotation order. They are, or the uh, Circus Sports Million rotation order, excuse me. They are plus seven here against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the unfortunate thing about this, and I think this probably would have wound up being a top five consensus play, is that this number was higher earlier on in the week. This was seven and a half, eight, even eight and a half around the time that it opened. And I liked this pick long before this game was taken off the board. I hate that we've lost some line value on this one, but that being said, the Steelers were very flat last week against the Cowboys. And I wish I would have taken Dallas uh, overtaking the Chargers. Obviously would have had a better outcome there. We all sort of expected Pittsburgh to be in this flat spot and they absolutely were. And the question I think people are going to be asking themselves about Pittsburgh here this week is did they learn their lesson last week? Was that that was that the bad game for them? Was that the flat spot, the letdown performance that we all expected? 
And I think that there is a possibility that that was the spot. And there could be another spot next week as Pittsburgh is on the road at Jacksonville. But to me, I think this is a situation where Pittsburgh is just quite frankly an overrated football team right now. And whether or not Big Ben plays or not, not really a factor in my handicap of this game. Certainly there will be some line value. If Ben doesn't play, the Bengals will not reopen at seven. If Ben is out, it's probably more like four, four and a half, something like that. But when you look, when you take a deeper look at some of the numbers here for the Steelers this season, they have a very average offense. In fact, by DVOA, I think they're 15th in the NFL out of the 32 teams. And they have explosive wide receivers. They have a lot of, you know, big name types of guys on that offense. They can't run the football, though. And something I think about this game specifically against Cincinnati is I think Mike Tomlin and Randy Fickner and that coaching staff will want to try and get the run game going here in this spot. I think they want to try and take some of the pressure off of Ben Roethlisberger and if he has to go, Mason Rudolph. So I think this is a spot where the Steelers want to try to commit to running the football because the Bengals defense is a decent unit. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's a decent unit, but this feels like the kind of week after Ben was hurt, after you had to kind of use him to get back into the game last week, where maybe they want to push running the football. And as we know, they cannot run the football. So I think that would play to the detriment of the Steelers here in this spot. And furthermore, too, look, the Bengals have been in every game except for the one against the Ravens where they got taken to the woodshed. They're only a 2-5-1 and one football team straight up, but they're minus 20 in point differential. So they have been in just about every game here so far this season. The Steelers, again, they're an undefeated team, and I get it, and credit to them for that. And I've been on them a few times here of late. I was on them against Baltimore, got a very lucky winner in that one uh, where they were just horrifically outplayed and outgained in that game. But for the Steelers here, they are only plus 0.1 yards per play. And that is not a statistic you would expect to see from a team that is 8-0. So I think this is a regression candidate here. Three straight games decided by five or fewer points. They're off of three straight road games now coming home. And how about this for a stat? I think this is a very interesting statistic. Keep in mind, that the Steelers have the most takeaways in the NFL this year. The Bengals have scored on a higher percentage of their drives than the Steelers have. I will repeat that for you. The Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals, have scored on a higher percentage of their offensive possessions than the Steelers have, 43.7% to 42.7% despite being three yards worse in average starting field position. So the Bengals, they don't have 15 takeaways like the Steelers have. And the Steelers actually now second to Tampa Bay. Uh, My apologies for that. Tampa Bay with 16 takeaways, Pittsburgh with 15. But the Bengals, they don't have the takeaways that the Steelers have. But they're scoring on a higher percentage of their offensive possessions. The Bengals only have nine takeaways. So this is a Bengals team that I think is very undervalued here in this spot. They were undervalued on the open. I think they're still undervalued here at seven. And again, doesn't really matter to me if Ben or Mason Rudolph plays. It is the Bengals for me here, plus seven, number four in the Circus Sports Million rotation order.
One of the reasons why I've been checking so furiously about the COVID case for the Browns is because I like the Browns this week, minus three and a half. They're number seven in the circuit rotation order. Again, three and a half, the number here. I wish it was three, but the market's three and a half now. And the circuit, of course, was trending towards three and a half or already there when they posted their contest odds. Now, again, I worry about who the positive COVID player is for Cleveland. If it's Baker Mayfield, this becomes a more difficult play to take. That, With that being said, as I break this handicap down, I can tell you that maybe I'll take the Browns anyway because I think if Case Keenum has to play, I don't think it has too much of an impact on the game plan. And furthermore, I think it keeps people from taking the Browns. So they go from probably being a top five consensus play to being a team that maybe people kind of stay away from because if it's Keenum, that line probably is two or two and a half instead of three and a half. So you're taking a really bad number in the Circa. But with that being said, let's just look at this game here. First of all, the Texans have two wins and they're both over Jacksonville. 50 mile per hour gusts expected during the game for this one. And obviously that helps the Browns a lot more than it helps the Texans. The Browns have a good running game. Houston, 28th in run defense DVOA. They're 31st in yards per carry allowed. And also, too, in this game here, the Texans are 32nd in rush offense by DVOA. So I know the Browns' defense isn't particularly good. It will be a little bit healthier this week, I think, coming off of the bye. But you've got wind considerations in this game, and you've got a pretty good Browns rushing offense against a horrific Texans rush defense. And you've got a terrible Texans run offense in this game. Also, a consideration for me here, the Browns are 76% on scoring touchdowns in the red zone. The Texans are 60.9%. And if you're going to get scoring opportunities in this game, you damn well better get seven instead of settling for three, where the winds will be howling here on the shores of Lake Erie. Kicking will be a very difficult thing to do in this game. The Browns... Healthiest they've been. Wyatt Teller's practicing. Nick Chubb not even wearing a knee brace. They'll both go. Jarvis Landry's been hurt pretty much all season long. He's off the bye. Austin Hooper had an appendectomy a few weeks ago. He should be good to go. So even if the Browns do have to throw the football or do choose to throw the football a little bit here, they've got a lot of weapons they can actually throw to with some short passes. I think to me, you you don't like to use this narrative language I think this is a must-win game for the Browns. I think they have to have this game after squandering that Raiders opportunity before the bye with their remaining schedule, with what's happening here in the AFC playoff picture. This is a game you need to win, and they should be fully focused on that coming off the bye. Yeah, Baker couldn't practice a little bit early in the week, so be it, whatever. Kevin Stefanski, I think a very good head coach. I think the coordinators have done very well for the Browns here so far. They're off the bye, extra prep time, stuff like that. And also, too, for the Texans, I mean, it's a warm-weather team coming to a cold-weather city with a very windy forecast, temperatures in the mid-40s, wind chill's going to be below 30. It's going to be pretty miserable for Houston here in this spot. I think the Browns, with that physical, you know, Cleveland mentality and all of that, running the football effectively, I think the Browns are the play here. And again, just to simplify this handicap, Who's the best player for the Houston Texans? It's Deshaun Watson. Who is neutralized by 50-mile-per-hour wind gusts? It's the quarterback. So the Browns, I think, can play to their strengths. Houston, 
forced to play to their weaknesses here. Give me the Browns minus three and a half, number seven in the circuit rotation order. Next up on the board here for me, a game I talked about on yesterday's show with Brad Powers. In fact, we did a highlight video over on our ATS YouTube page for this one. The Philadelphia Eagles are minus three here against the New York football Giants. And I think this is probably the top consensus play of the week, but I don't care. Because this is three, you get some extra line value here. I was expecting three and a half. The market trending towards three and a half. That would not have surprised me at all. Look, the Eagles are healthier here. And the Giants have played a ton of close games in a row, as we talked about on the show yesterday. At some point, and this was a point that I made on the video, when effort is really all you have to even the playing field, There's going to be a week where you just don't come with that effort. And I think this could very well be the week for the Giants here. Playing a lot of close games, third game in what, uh, 20 days or whatever it is because they played on Monday night against Tampa Bay. When you think back to when these two teams played on Thursday night football a few weeks ago, the Eagles had 6.1 yards per play and they were a mash unit on offense. We weren't even sure who was actually going to play for them in that game. And they moved the football pretty much at will. Carson Wentz, had a pretty good game there in that one. They did only outgain the Giants 6.1 to 5.9 yards per play. But remember, Daniel Jones had that 80-yard run where he tripped and fell at the end of it. Outside of that play, the Giants only had 4.5 yards per play on their other 54 offensive snaps. So that's concerning for me. The Eagles missed a field goal in that game, had a turnover on downs inside the Giants' five. And again, the Eagles had basically nobody healthy in that game. In that Thursday night game, albeit it was at home for Philadelphia, they were a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Now they're a three-point favorite on the road. Home field advantage is virtually nothing. Road teams are winning. Road teams are outscoring home teams. Home field advantage is pretty much useless. I think this line is mispriced. I think the Eagles, healthy off the bye, chance to really take full control of this NFC East division. And again, I think this is the number one consensus play. And I am worried about the top five consensus regressing to the mean a little bit, but I can't worry about that here. I just have to look at what's in front of me, look at this handicap, and what this handicap says to me is the Eagles minus three are the right side here in this one. So the three very likely picks for me, and they could all be top five consensus plays, which is a little bit worrisome. Bengals plus seven, Browns minus three and a half, Eagles minus three. So with my list of leans here, I always go by rotation number for these, but there are some that I do feel stronger about, and I will say as much during my breakdowns here of these games. We start with number 13, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are minus five and a half against the Carolina Panthers. I think this is a bounce back spot for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. You know, I think when you look at that Giants game, they were in a horrible spot, a very bad look ahead spot with that Saints rematch on deck. And they didn't play well in that game. Then the Saints game, look, the Saints played their best game of the year. I mean, they were flawless almost in that game. Tampa Bay got behind early. The weather conditions weren't superb. Brady throws that weird tipped pick. All of a sudden, it's 14-0. The Buccaneers just didn't react well to that situation. And Tom Brady didn't react well to that situation. So maybe there are some growing concerns here with the Buccaneers off of two bad performances in a row. But I think this number is a little bit cheap here. The Panthers, 21st in pass defense by DVOA. The Bucs are second. The Bucs are third in run defense by DVOA. 
The Panthers are 24th. It is an offense-driven league right now. It is offense first and defense second. And the Buccaneers have a very good defense, but also have a quality offense going up against a Panthers unit that, look, I think they've overachieved a little bit this season because they've taken great care of the football. And credit to Teddy Bridgewater for that. And credit to Matt Rule for doing a fine coaching job with this Panthers team. But I think teams have started to adjust to the Panthers. I think the market has started to adjust to the Panthers. I know Carolina covered easily last week against Kansas City. I thought that was a bad spot for the Chiefs. It did wind up being one. And they still scored 33 points on that Carolina defense. But Carolina had three outright upset wins and covers. They've since lost four in a row, and they're just two and two against the spread. So I think they're playing back towards their expectation here. I think they're trending in a negative direction. And I think the Buccaneers can bounce back here against a weak defensive opponent. I like the Buccaneers minus five and a half. If I had to stack rank my plays, I've got the three picks that I've already discussed. I think the Buccaneers probably fifth on my list here. So if I had to set my card in stone right now, Tampa Bay would make the list here minus five and a half against the Panthers. Talked about this game yesterday with Brad Powers as well. In fact, we got a dinner side bet on the Bills and Cardinals matchup. I've got Bills plus two in the side bet, but the Bills are plus one and a half in the Circa Sports Million here this week. I am worried about the Arizona money that's come in over the last 24 hours. They do appear to be the sharper side in this game. But I do think the Bills are much better on offense now. And I talked about this on yesterday's show. John Brown comes back and he gives that passing offense a much greater dimension because he can stretch the field now along with Stephon Diggs, open up underneath stuff for Cole Beasley and the tight ends there for Buffalo. So I think at full capacity, this offense is very, very good. And I think Josh Allen and the Bills do carve up this Arizona defense here. Unfortunately, though, I think the Cardinals move it on the Bills as well. Matt Milano on IR. That's not a great thing facing a mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray. The question here is, you know, do I want to take a short price plus one and a half in a game where, quite frankly, the last team with the ball probably wins? Do I want to take that coin flip situation where I do think Buffalo moves the ball and it moves it quite effectively and quite efficiently, but I also think Arizona moves the ball too. So, one thing that does keep me in, in this situationally here is that Arizona's got Seattle on deck on a short week. They play next Thursday night, and the Bills have the bye coming up. So I think good teams and well-coached teams will look at the bye and say, okay, let's leave it all out there. Let's lay it all on the line because now with the new NFL bye week rules, you legitimately get a full week off. So I think we get a maximum effort from Buffalo here in this spot. I'm less certain about that for Arizona with Seattle on deck. So those situational angles are keeping this game in contention for me. So I wanted to mention it here on today's show, Bills plus one and a half on the short list for me. Next up here is the the, uh, San Francisco 49ers. They are plus nine against the New Orleans Saints. And this is kind of a horse racing angle, so to speak. And Brian Blessings talked about this before. When you get a horse off of its absolute top-end performance, you kind of look to go against that horse or just sort of keep that horse off of your card in the following race. That's the case for the New Orleans Saints. They played their most complete game of the year 
it was at the top end of the spectrum of what we can expect from the New Orleans Saints in that game against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now I wonder, what do they do here laying a big number against San Francisco? And I do wish this was 10, and if it was 10, it might be in my top five. Right now it's probably sixth on the card for me, but it is nine, so that is a little bit of a consideration. Also, for the 49ers, I mean, can they have enough success running the football to shorten this game? We know their pass attack right now is kind of in shambles with Jimmy Garoppolo out, Nick Mullins in there. Um, you know, Bethard played pretty well in relief last week, so maybe he gets a little more of a look here this week. But, you know, for San Francisco, just so many injuries and COVID and everything else for them. And you just kind of wonder, you know, how much is left there for this team? On the flip side, the Saints, as I mentioned, again, coming off of that awesome performance that everybody saw on Sunday Night Football, they get back in the division next week and play Atlanta, which is the start of three straight road games for them. I just wonder if this is a bad spot for the Saints. You know, Drew Brees on the injury report, again, he didn't look hurt against Tampa Bay, but maybe they take it easy with him here this week. Maybe this is a win and get out kind of scenario for the 49ers. I don't know. But again, I think this, or for the uh, Saints, excuse me, I think it's just a big number for the 49ers, plus nine on my short list. Not my favorite of the leans, but it is one under consideration if we wind up getting some more COVID situations or something like that. Finally, this one's probably the closest to a pick for me. If I was ranking these, this would be number four for me. Number 23, the Ravens, minus seven, taking on the New England Patriots. The Patriots continue to teeter on the brink here of just being a team that's just really, really bad. Defensively, they've played well. Offensively, they are a mess. And the Ravens here this season have only allowed 1.52 points per drive. So the question for me in this game is, how do the Patriots score? I mean, the Ravens played great defensively against Pittsburgh out of the bye. They played an excellent, they played a a solid defensive game last week against the Colts. I think they could be in full-fledged shutdown mode here in this one against the Patriots. And if I don't need Baltimore to get me 30 points, I like them a lot here minus seven. This offense has had some issues, but they are still fifth in run offense DVOA, and the Patriots are 31st in run defense DVOA. So maybe Belichick absolutely positively floods the box, tries to get Lamar Jackson to beat him through the air. I think Jackson's still good enough to do that, even though he has regressed as a passer here So far this season, Baltimore will play from in front. New England is not a good offensive team at all. And in particular, they've really struggled in the first half of games to put up points. I like Baltimore minus seven here. Maybe this is a top five consensus play too. I don't know. But I think Baltimore can name the score here in this one if they want to. Because defensively, they are such a shutdown unit. So the three picks for me in the circuit, the three very likely picks, I should say, excuse me, Bengals plus seven, Browns minus three and a half, Eagles minus three, the leans, Tampa Bay minus five and a half, Bills plus one and a half, 49ers plus nine, Ravens minus seven. And if I had to lock in right now, I would have four favorites on my card, Browns, Eagles, Bucks, and Patriots. And then the one underdog, the popular underdog uh, of the Bengals. So we'll see what happens with COVID. We'll see who has it for the Browns. We'll see what transpires over the next 24 hours. But, uh, you know, always good to talk through my thoughts here. And even talking through my thoughts sometimes strengthens my positions or weakens some of my positions. So very happy to have this platform on ATS Radio and talk about my picks for the Circus Sports Million here on Fridays.
Like I said, coming up on Monday, college football update for week 12. My power ratings updates, the numbers where I'm off from the market, some box score news and nuggets, stuff like that. Should be a lot of fun there on Monday to kick off a new week on ATS Radio. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday.